0: Ari, thank you so much for coming on to talk all about Elo, the company that you're building now. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for making time. Cool. Thank you. So where I wanted to start here, we're going to go all over the map today and explore not just what you're building, but this kind of concept of smart nutrition, the products that you have today, some of the features, and then we're going to spend a lot of time on the business, business model and some, some aspects there. Where I wanted to start is just around the decision to found Elo. You founded other companies before. You've served as a CEO for a number of years at Quest Analytics. What was your process like for deciding that this was the company that you wanted to start next? And what did that look like?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people they they build one company and then they maybe they get rid of it and they're like never again. I don't want to be there. And maybe they were not meant to be uh, or meant to do this stuff. And I think you know I've been doing this for over twenty years. I've been involved in building six new businesses from ground up. And I'm, I've seen the movie many times and it has very different subtitles and, and a plot at times, but the same principal ideas is the same. And in my case, the cast of characters have been the same in a few of the movies. Um, but I think for, for Elod, it was really something I wanted to do for a long time. So this goes pretty deep into my, my core. And, and uh, 20 plus years ago, year 2000, my, my wife, uh, uh, she discovered she had a big you know, lump on her neck a thyroid tumor, and uh, that had to be removed quickly. Luckily, there was no life-threatening condition after it. But then it ended up into leading into autoimmune diseases and maybe you know underlining problems in health that were neglected before or hidden by, for example, you know hormonal treatments that you get if you are on birth control. That led us into a long silencing uh, journey on trying to find a way to uh, keep her healthy and uh, in the end you know we were trying to get a family then years later realized that we can't get pregnant with uh, certain conditions she had and uh, we probably spent 10 years or even more wow. on trying to find a solution to to this problem because you know we, we you know you are in love you you want to have a family that's one of my goals in in life and um, we had to find a way so we we found you know doctors and practitioners, you know, Eastern and Western side to help us. And um, in the end, we realized that uh, the diet was able to overcome the problem. And diet of, you know, lowering inflammation was the core thing that helped together with the, with the medicine as well. And, and that made me a believer that, you know, food is a really key uh, building block of a good life. And food is really help in many ways. And I I read about, you know, the topic myself quite a bit. My wife could have like a double PhD on the topic, (laughs) knows a lot more than most people. And um, and she's very tuned to herself. She really feels her body very different than most people. I don't really know if I'm thirsty or hungry. Uh, She does. Uh, She's a much better person than me in many ways in these things. But that was the the beginning for me. And then about uh, 12 years ago, when I started uh, Better Doctor, my first own company, I started in the U.S., Um, We had an idea of a company called, uh, we we call it Smart Nutrition or we call it, you know, food type of business, better food. And and the idea was that uh, we could basically, you know, collect data about your body, what you need, like, you know, allergies and what type of diet you have, and then take your phone and point it to a, a product in a store. And it would tell you traffic light, you know, red, yellow or green. And we didn't build the company because it felt a little bit difficult user experience. That was early days of smartphones. People didn't have a, you know, one in pocket, on every pocket. And it was a kind of clunky. And um, we decided to build BetterDoctor instead. And now three years ago, we took back the idea and we looked at it. And we were like, I think it's still a great idea. And we had been talking with a lot of healthcare decision makers, opinion leaders. And we saw clearly this market momentum moving in a way that we're not going to only medicate people. We are also going to use lifestyle and food and other interventions to help people to get healthy, and, and decided that this is the right time to start building a company in this space to be ready when the world is ready, um, which will be maybe in in four or five years from today. But when it happens, we talk about a massive, impactful change uh, and shift in in world overall.
0: It's amazing, you know. I love how so many different strands, you know, came together, not only your experience, obviously, in healthcare building other companies, but kind of a previous version of the, of the idea. And I love, you know, your commentary there that decided not to do it because it felt like a clunky user experience, because it does, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily reflect on that. Um, so it's so interesting to see how all that comes together. I want to ask just one question. You know, part of obviously, so LO is focused on smart nutrition. We're going to talk about the two products you guys have today, smart supplements and smart protein uh, in just a few moments. But, you know, part of the idea is like food as medicine. And and one of the questions I want to ask, because you've had this as a personal experience, you know, your wife kind of realizing that actually diet can change things. I imagine if I was in your shoes or if I was in your wife's shoes, I would have a moment, you know, because everyone's kind of, you've heard it, you've heard people talk about it, you know, that it's a concept. It feels like it's very different to actually see it and feel it. Did you have any disbelief in that moment that it was actually true? Like, what was that like to realize that actually by changing diet, you could have a substantial impact on health?
1: Well, I I think, you know, we and I come from a family and my wife as well. We, we have, you know, everybody's really healthy, athletic. Uh, they eat, you know, you know eat organic food from 70s onward. Uh, local food is important. I traveled a lot as a kid. We went to 50 countries, but I was 18 years old. Wow. Seeing the world in many ways. And, and seeing, kind of, you know, coming to the US, for example, in the 80s and seeing, you know, how, how heavy people were already in, in some states. Very different than in the Nordics at that time. So I had a belief that, you know, uh, food is important and you want to invest in good food. But I don't think we ever really, and still today, I don't think we can pinpoint to one thing that did it. I mean, it's just, you know, everything that you do when you are changing your behavior, think about like you change the food from A to B, it won't happen overnight. Uh, Also medications, they really do happen overnight. Uh, but the placebo might be that we think and believe that you know something happened right then and there. But I, I don't, I can't still today pinpoint one thing that helped. But you know, lowering inflammation in your yep. body is uh, is a key point, and you know it it can be done by you know reducing uh, uh, sugar and, and and maybe some carbs and reducing you know certain oils and stuff like that and certain you know nutrients that are not going to be good for you. Uh, and of course, you know, cutting the processed food that is the culprit of inflammation overall. So those did help. Um, and we, I think we believed in it, but it wasn't like, you know, epiphany in a way. And that's the problem we have today that, you know, the, the sexy stuff is the pill that you eat and you are you are fine. <laughs> that's what people want. People don't want to, you know, change the way they live their life. And uh, to me, I think the, the key uh, challenge in that process was that we never had any yardsticks. There, were, there was no measurement. There was no system telling us that now we are at the you know, threshold or now you are improving. And in my life, I mean, uh, since being you know, an athlete at young age, you know, I, I was the beta tester for the Polar Electro heart rate belt in the 80s. And I was wearing those when I was training as a kid and you know you saw your heart rate you know curve go up you saw your stamina going up you saw your performance going up you every day you saw you know at the gym you saw your weights go up and then you see you know your speed of you know certain skating you know stuff going up every year so you can you can miss it you're getting better you feel good about it and you know as a rock climber i mean i my grades are going up on my climbing i can do more difficult walls and stuff like that um Is to measure, but in in food and nutrition there is nothing. Like only thing you measure is looking at your scale and your weight, and that's in a back view mirror a month or so. So now I think today we are finally starting to see the the measurements coming to play, and that will change everything. Not not all of us care about it, but enough people do, and when they see the the traffic light being red on what you ate in real time, you will not do it again thousand times.
0: I want to ask one more question around timing, um, you know, just because you had, this was an idea, obviously this idea you had a better doctor is very different than what you've ended up building today. What you've ended up building today feels very like modern and appropriate for a time and takes advantage of all the devices and inputs that we have. It's, it's, it's incredible. But one of the questions I want to ask is, you know, for any founder that is building something that feels somewhat distant in the future, there's always this question of timing. And I love how in the, you know, just a few moments ago, you said that you felt like the time was now that you could both see this momentum of this this is where we were heading, but you also recognize that you're building it for when people really got interested. Did you think about that any more granularly, you know, and, and was it like, oh, we think this will happen in one years or two years? Just any advice for maybe founders that have a similar problem and how to decide if the timing's right or not?
1: Really good question. So this is the key point because, you know, you, you, you can kind of fabricate luck at times by being in many places at the same time or be active and looking for luck. But you can't fabricate market momentum. Sometimes things happen because, you know, tech is leaping forward. Think about, you know, Uber, um, many things that happen because, you know, you suddenly have like GPS and a smartphone and a map combined together. You could do Uber, for example. You could do DoorDash. You could do Airbnb and many other things, that, you know, they just happened because you had this unlocking moment. And uh, you can f- see those happening. Maybe you can even time them. But... Sometimes things happen that you have no idea. And, you know, we started this company uh, right before COVID, like talk about like weeks before. (laughs) And and then, you know, we think about this, that the biggest problem we had on our our story is that, is food delivery ever going to be real? Can we ever expect people to get food, you know, over the web and from the mobile to the door, doorsteps and kitchen counter? The second one was: Are people ever going to do, you know, like blood testing at home? It, will there ever even be a system of blood, blood testing at home after Theranos in our know, debacle? So those two things were complete unknown unknowns that you know nobody knew about, and and then COVID happens and food delivery goes from twenty percent to fifty percent now it's ubiquitous, and the blood testing and you know cold, like COVID swapping the nose everybody has now done it ten times, so we actually leapfrogged over a decade on those key attributes that we need as a company or this new smart nutrition era will need. And I mean we are not ready. Like you know, people moved on already. We as a as Elo, as an industry, as scientific community are not ready where people are already. People are doing longevity stuff on themselves that you know science doesn't even know about. We haven't even tested with mice all the things people are doing to themselves today. So it's a really interesting thing. And, you know, that, that to us was, I think, the key that, you know, COVID was a, a massive, massive shift that, you know, maybe like once in a, in a generation or once in a hundred year type of scenario that nobody was envisioning. I mean, just this week we hear, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, we hear, you know, the Google founders apologize that they hired too many people they hired hundred thousand people during COVID and now they're laying them off because they didn't even understand that you know this thing that happened is not gonna be permanently here to stay. But some things will, like this sort of a home testing and you know the food delivery. We still don't know how, how to make money on food delivery, I think as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it will be here to stay. So as a as a founder, you know, look around, sniff around, be smart about it, and, and don't be don't be too early. And if you are too early, you have to find a way to pivot you know, a little bit or, or streamline the things you built in order to fit the time you are in. Because you
0: can't fabricate time. It's just we don't have a time' machine yet. No, it's great advice. So I'd love to start talking about, I think, some of the products. But where I wanted to start is just this high level idea of smart nutrition, which is, you know, as soon as you kind of put those two words together, you generally get what it means. And yet I haven't outside of Elo's website come across that or kind of heard that maybe used enough. And I think there are probably I think I'm not alone. So for people listening that maybe aren't familiar with that, what is smart nutrition? How do you think about it? Why is it important?
1: Well, I'm I'm trying to coin the term here, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. I think it's working slowly. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the the point here is that, um, and this is just a funny story, as in everything that you know, you try to do there should be something fun. And you know, almost 20 years ago, I was in a room in Finland at the Nokia head office, and this is the time when Nokia was launching the N97. Uh, Many people call that the first smartphone ever, years before iPhone and Android. And I remember being there in a room. Um, I was a small, you know, junior. Employee, but I mean, somebody had stuff on a whiteboard like uh, what we call this thing, and there was a word smartphone on the corner of the of the board, and there was a another word a mobile computer, and then somebody circled the mobile computer, and they went with that. We did not go with the smartphone, and think about Nokia would have been a different company if Nokia would have invented and coined the smartphone term. They did not, um, so I don't want to make the same mistake twice. And I think uh, smart products are all around us today. You know, I have a, you know, the Apple Watch Ultra is kind of smart watch. I have the iPhone. I have a, the Tesla. I have, a, you know, my car is uh, kind of smart on me. My home is, it knows when I get in. It it kind of everything happens automatically. Why don't we implement the same thing also in the thing we do the most often, which is basically food and eat and so forth? And in in our case, we looked at all these other smart categories. And we looked at what is common about them. And I don't know if there's a book about this. I might write a book about it. But no. what we found out is that uh, any type of smart category, and, and nutrition included, has three tenets. One is being that um, they are personalized to you. So if you think about the phone, it's the most personal device you have. It, it's the same blank canvas that you fe- feel, you know, it's the same, but then you've f- you fill it in with your photos and your apps and your contacts and your it's your life, it's the magic wand for your life, it's your life controller, or whatever you call it. And then same applies to many products like that. In in our case, smart nutrition it is made for you based on your micro you know chemistry inside you and based on on your health and who you are. Uh, secondly, it is uh, it's precise. Uh, that means it's scientifically grounded. It, it, it ha- is high tech. In our case, we are using six thousand clinical trials to power our algorithm. We use, you know, tens of thousands of learnings we got from our uh, our members today. And lastly, it is proactive, and that's maybe the most uh, surprising thing to think about in uh, in case of food or nutrition. But think about proactive. People love Tesla mainly. The first thing they say always is that you walk into it with your phone in. And you open the door, it moves the seat, it plays the right song for you. That's pretty awesome. Like nobody ha- did that before. And that's proactively making it better every day. It learns how you are riding the, driving the car. It becomes your car. Same here. We are trying to make the nutrition better. We learn about every biomarker test we do. Every time we get data from your wearable devices, we make it better for you on every month-to-month-to-month case. And in the future, I think when we talk about taste, we want to make the taste to be right for you. When, whenever we're going to get our food out there, uh, hopefully soon, think about what if the food would ask you every day, did you like it? Right portion, right taste, too salty. Nobody's doing that today. So that's what we think uh, smart nutrition is. And in the end, you know, it can turn into medicine that can be prescribed by uh, doctors in the same way as we do uh, Lipitor, uh, Metformin, and diabetes medicine today.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love that concept and, and the way you described it at the end, because uh, one, you know, as a simple example, we're going to get into in a little bit your protein product, but, you know, you take something that's personalized to you, maybe even has your blood information, knows, you know, obviously, I think one of the things that's fascinating about your protein is it it actually adjusts based on the activity that you're doing, that it tracks through smartwatch, like amazing stuff. And you just even just let's just stop there not talk about anything else that you, you're probably developing that's, that's going to be improved. And then you compare that to a protein you get off the shelf. There's just absolutely no comparison. It's going from one size fits all to it's exactly one for one to each and every individual. That's profound. It's a huge shift.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's why I've been, it's been so fun the company to build and start because we started this in a way that, you know, we are trying to make this like home run type of thing, like not home run in a way that let's start the company with a billion dollars, but yeah, let's do what. What would the world look like if, for example, like Apple would, would build a protein product? It would be very different than, you know, what you buy from uh, whoever <laughs> you buy it from today. Uh, and we were like, what if we do that? What if we think, like, there's no limits? What could what, what would we want to build if there's no limits? And we started from these product categories like supplements that are one-to-one correlated to blood biomarkers, for example. Then we started with protein that you can find pretty close correlation to activity, activity performance, for example, recovery, and so forth. And, and we will go more and more in the direction of, of medicine when we graduate as a company. But, you know, you, you can't start in the beginning by building a meal plan that will cure cancer. I mean, nobody would believe us. We would not have no way credibility to do it. Sure. And some people are trying. It will be a very, very big uphill battle to do it before we have enough scientific evidence. But we have a lot of scientific evidence today on supplementing and improving your vitamins, for example. We know that's doable, but nobody really has done it before. And in the case of Protein, we wanted to really make this like, we had this um, thinking hat going on in the company for a long time, like the second product, like what is it? And we wanted to build like a make a mark with the Protein, like build our own product that nobody has done before. And we really took the data we all have now. If you are active, you likely record some of your workouts with Strava or Apple Watch or Peloton or Tonal or whatever you use. So we wanted to pipe all that data back in the system, and every month re-architect your protein plan based on your last. Well, we look back 30 days, so it's not forward-looking. Maybe in the future we can make that happen. I don't know how yet. <laughs> uh, we need more AI and more more data. But at least you know, there's a one one consumer who, or one LO member who sent a note last week. I mean, it was it was so fun. My my co-founder Tapio, he was high-fiving everybody, and he was like, "This is the best thing ever!" Like the feedback was. You yellow guys are so sneaky. You actually changed my macros and my amino acid blend on the protein because of my last month's uh, activities. Wow. I can't believe this because we don't even explain it that well. So he he did not know that will happen. And then he was looking at the label side by side and saw that happening. And that made my day. And that's kind of what you, when you build a product, you don't always want to tell people exactly what you will do with the product. And I've been mean, I, I was I was holding on buying a Tesla for a long time. I think I was buying the X back in the days. My son was then young and we were about to buy the car and he got stuck with the with the silly silly door. Almost cut himself half. And he was like, I don't want to buy the car. And he he started to hate Tesla, so we couldn't buy it for like five years. <laughs> and now we finally got one. And I'm being flabbergasted uh, by the fact that how brave. The team has been there on taking away features and not telling people what the car does. There's no tutorial. There's nothing like that. So they let you like find slowly all these cool things that the thing does. Same can apply to Apple iPhone. It, it's, it doesn't have a manual read and then you use. You learn new ways to use the phone still a year or two after you bought it. That's what we want to build Elo. We want to give you the, the core things, then and there and explain them but then you can find new things and easter eggs maybe a year later
0: yeah, I mean, just two two notes or two ideas. You know, one in that example, I think what's so cool about it is part of what you're doing is taking physical products that people think are dumb, that never change, that don't update in real time. And you're actually saying, no, this is like software. We can actually change this in real time. But the other thing is, I think what you just described to me feels like, you know, the next evolution. And just to kind of repeat that back, you know, if we have one size fits all product that we then move to, it's personalized to you, but it's personalized based off one simple test. And then it's like, here you go. This is the thing that you need. You guys have now taken it a step further and it's personalized, but it's personalized in real time, which to me is powerful because it, you know, some of this stuff, like what's funny about it is just reflecting on, well, why is that right? Why does that feel so natural? And, you know, to your point earlier about food taste changing and portion taste changing, I would bet that the ideal product would actually change portions and change flavors depending on you, because you might go through phases where you like spicy food or you're working out intensely and you want more. And yet, I th- don't think most people take into account that that's actually sh- is natural and right, that the product should change for you in real time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because you know, one thing that we know now from everybody who is using the product, we know the active energy, for example. Think about linking the active energy and the amount of food you have in you. I mean, we all know that health is not about calories in, calories out. It depends what type of food nutrients. But, but in the end, you know, you know a lot and you can do a lot more than people have thought about before. And I think one one thing that, you know, is is key here. And I mean I'm not claiming we cracked the, you know, not yet. I mean we are we are in the very beginning of a company. But we have, you know, a couple of new things out there that I mean I'm 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 really proud about. Some of the best things I ever built in my life and and I've I've been a user for myself many years. Many of my friends are users, and I mean the, the feedback is amazingly good every day, so that makes me feel great and These people that are my friends I mean they are very, very, very difficult customers i mean they they are wealthy and they, have, they get anything they want, and you know they are very needy in a way. If I can make them happy, I think we can make a million more people happy every day. So what we had to do at Elo to make this make this doable and possible so you you had to kind of really internalize the the core idea. We are not going to do products that are not good enough. So, like you said, we at at Elo, we are not building products that you can't have the feedback loop. We will not launch a product that uh, you know. We have fifty people who came to pitch us. You know, you want to work with us because we have this unique ability to collect data and help build better things. We said no because they were not ready categories to build a product that you have a feedback loop. In order to make this happen and to build it in like in a cast in stone for the company, we decided as a team to make uh, personalized, precise, and then proactive not only the core values of our company, oh, sorry, the product, but also the company. Those are now the three values of Elo. So I wanted to make, well, my thinking was that what if we could have a company that the product and the core company values are the same? I mean that's really I think it's a good idea. I don't know if anyone's done it before, but that really hit us, you know, last year and we, we implemented that last year. And I think it's really cool when you can now look at these lenses on every decision you make, not only for the product, but also hiring decisions and you know, investment decisions, who do you get as investors and so forth. It's been really cool to think that way.
0: I love that perspective and I love you know that it starts with the product. And then, you know, this idea that, well, if it's good enough for the product, we should, why wouldn't we make this a core value of the company and start using that as a guiding, you know, kind of guiding principles. Talk a little bit about, uh, I'd just be super curious to hear you kind of reflect on how has that changed or how has that shaped how you think about hiring, how you think about roadmap stuff? I mean, very clearly right there, you know, you, you gave a great example of just, it adds a very rigorous lens to what products you create and what you don't, where else does that show up kind of tangibly?
1: Yeah, we implement that now as part of the hiring. We are still middle of that. So because we, are, we just now uh, are getting to hiring is pretty slowly. Um, we haven't hired that many people before. Many of them have been known, known quantities for the company. Uh, but yeah, we define that now into the way how we hire. We are using Product Board as a tool for ELO uh, road mapping. And we have a, those are the principal ideas that we are evaluating every product decision on. So there has to be a ranking based on the value metric in order to see the prioritization of different things. And um, I think it, it makes things easier. I don't claim we fully yet have uh, you know, implemented that throughout the whole thing. It will take time. And it's a bit of a new way of running a company. We're trying to be also, because we are so small, we try to be pretty nimble in the way we operate. We don't use OKRs yet. We use this RUCs. That are kind of like a mini, like a baby OKRs, a bit simpler. We don't have like a uh, trickle down to every team member level yet, their own rocks. We do it on a team level. So we have simplified a bit, but uh, I feel good about it. And I think it, these are often the, the ideas that if you can make them stick in the long term, they will have a fundamental impact on the company, yeah. that sector.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, and yeah. And the reason I was kind of asking that is, you know, my mind, just the gears in my mind start turning, just thinking about even something as simple as like, we're not going to build products that don't have a feedback loop and that don't change in real time that immediately starts to influence like, okay, well, who we're hiring, we need to make sure how are we testing and screening for candidates that can build products that have a feedback loop because it is very different. You know, I think maybe if you've built something in software, you're used to that. Although I think actually a lot of times people aren't using a feedback loop to continually improve the product. So it's just interesting to think about where that goes, and it does seem very powerful. I'd be curious to hear how that shows up, maybe if we talk again in a year or so. One of the things I wanted to talk about, just to kind of zoom out for a second, is what informs... This feedback loop because I think it might be helpful for people because you know at least from what I can tell you have you know in this I'm gonna kind of go all over the map so I'll, I'll give my best uh, my best take please correct me wherever wrong and fill in the blanks but obviously for the supplements you have a blood test which gives you all of your biomarkers you also have a kind of a qualitative survey which is asking people just questions that they could obviously lie about it might be slightly untruthful but it's going to be helpful just you know their goals kind of what they're eating today. You then have all the data that people are getting from wearables. And I don't know if there's a limit there, if you use smart mattresses and Whoop and (laughs) Apple Watch and all of that. And then obviously you then have kind of a human component, uh, which is, uh, I think for the smart protein and the smart supplements, you get access to a nutritionist. Do I have that right? And then talk about which of those are really important, which of them are less like kind of from a weighting perspective, how those are all helpful in different ways.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're right. And um, it's a very complicated mess. (laughs) <laughs> As you can imagine, and there's no no like a one one simple answer, and I think it's also a a system that will be evolving every day, but once we get more information, so let, let me take you one step back and kind of explain to you. Uh, so we we are trying to build an LO brain, that is the the kind of the core thing that the company is here for. We are not trying to be the company who is building the best you know uh, food factory or supplement factory or we are not even trying to build the best lab but we are trying to build the best brain in the middle of taking data from your body and turning it into the right decisions that you should take and then delivering those to you with different products we are creating so what is in the brain um, we we don't I mean we could talk about AI but you know let's be real um, we have an algorithm so it's three layers of this base layer on every product category is an algorithm where we take all the current knowledge about uh, science. Um, Science and nutrition for supplements, we have about 80 different active ingredients that we are putting in our supplement pills today. So we collected all those different 80 uh, active ingredients that have valid human trial clinical evidence. Not one study, but more studies. So we have today, I think almost 6,000 studies that we have collected today. On those products these are globally all the human trial studies ever done it's not that many in the end but you know you have to normalize it you had had to kind of translate it in english some cases you had to kind of go through all of them to turn it into understandable you know data corpus that you can use in in part of an algorithm so we had a team to do that for two years and and then what we did we looked at the different assessments we can do so we have to do 150 assessments a questionnaire, question questionnaire could be assessment, um, A1C biomarker, a blood biomarker could be assessment, your uh, HRV could be assessment, your you know, recovery from different devices could be assessment. Anyway, 150 assessments, 6,000 studies, 80 different active nutrients. That's kind of the, the, the basic idea. And we turn that into a system where we are looking at you based on your aids and you know your assessments and different things. We give you the right studies what they say and we we deliver you the right amount of certain things and then we see if it works that was the beginning that took a couple of years on top of that we added then um, the dietitians and nutritionists work with one-on-one of people and they make modifications for the plans that the algorithm created often they do quite a few because of you know what you want and there's like a human component involved maybe you forgot to talk about the medication that you have and then we changed and so forth anyway we took the modifications into play you know thousands of them, and we built those into the algorithm, and it started to be a learning system now. So, today we actually have an AI uh, line. Then, the third layer will be the fundamental layer that is about the outcomes. So, we do what we do, and then we see how the outcomes look like. And then, based on the outcomes, we can then weight all the different studies and everything in a proper way, and then it becomes better. But for that, we need you know thousands more members, so everybody. Sign up to Elo. Help us to build, you know, <laughs> even better system every day. And and I think in a year or two, we are fundamentally building new science. So that's just the kind of the, the the base layer of what we do, the brain aspect. And then the question about how do we prioritize different things? It is really difficult when you think about the wearable devices. Um, you know, I have a whoop, I have an aura. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing this seven years. I've been wearing this maybe four years. And now they are kind of similar. If you look at your sleep data, for example, but they used to be totally different. So, what is a race condition when you have sleep coming from three, four devices? Those are really difficult questions to solve, and we have not even opened up now in our app. You don't see sleep data yet. You don't see your HRV, a few other things, because we 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 want to make it right. And you know, having been one of the early investors in Aura back in the days, I you know I was able to kind of. Kind of look at how they built the company. It took them five years to build a great app. It's not happening overnight. So I know how how hard it will be to build these things. And what we do at Elo, every decision, okay, we do. We do it from the perspective of is it precise, is it you know personalized, is it proactive, and also does it come with the nutrition lens? I don't want to replicate you know stuff like what Aura is doing or Whoop is doing or whoever is doing or Apple even, we want to build a new viewpoint for ELO that is unique to us, that comes from the perspective of nutrition. Like what would HRV look in a nutrition context? What would a recovery index look in a nutrition context? Nobody has done that before, so we have to reinvent
0: these things, and it will take time. I mean, that was incredible. Like, even just the breakdown of the brain, because one, it feels like, you know, just describing that, clearly that's the that's what's going to drive all of the value for your customer base. Yes, you could invest some of that money in factories to actually be able to do it. Yes, you could invest some of that money in a lab, but what you're effectively saying is like, we have good enough solutions there. What no one's built, it's very challenging that we want to get right, is this brain that powers everything. And especially talking about, you know, then outcome layer that then starts to train and ripple through the model, Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful. It's super cool. I want to ask two questions related to the products that you have so far. And one of them, I'm just, you know, it may not be the easiest answer. So feel free to take this in any direction if you want to talk about supplements or you want to talk about protein, you want to talk about overall. One of the things I wanted to ask is around product market fit. So clearly here, you know, you guys could have a view that, we know we're starting with customers that have some disposable income that are interested and open to doing all of this health stuff and kind of pushing the frontier. Um, but, what, you know, we're going to use all of this science. And as long as the outcomes are right and we're able to do that, that's maybe product market fit or technology market fit. But then there's another piece of like customer perception. So it just seems somewhat tricky or, or maybe a different way to say it would be you guys might have to take a very specific different lens on product market fit. How have you approached thinking about that? How do you think about that at ELO?
1: So it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if I ever been myself in a company that I was running something that was my own product or or thing that really had a product market fit. Yeah. Because if, you know, I talk to people, I know a lot of people who have had that, and then it, it led into hyper growth. And you know when you have it, because then you can't produce enough of the stuff that you're doing. That's really the, the truly the measurement, I think. and. I don't think most companies ever end up there because it's a, it's like this sort of unique time that, you know, you it just becomes, it happens. Like it, it's about marketing. It just happens because you, you build something so exciting that, you know, people are talking about it to everybody. So very few companies ever experience that. And of course, we, we hope to get there. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we have a, a challenge internal that we doing what we do. I mean, going from, uh one to ten to ten to hundred to ten to thousand, you know it's gonna be very difficult to grow from one to a hundred thousand. I mean you can't sure. do that. Nobody sure. ever nobody has ever produced these things in a way that you could do it for a million people. And it can be done, we know, but it will take many years. So we want to be very uh focused on growing the right way with the right audience first. So think about this. Uh, what we if you kind of break it into pieces. So and this is maybe a warning for people who are trying to build something similar or complicated that is kind of taking and collecting different ideas together into new product or service like we are. So today you have about 100 million people in the U.S. who take supplements on a daily basis, 100 million people, huge amount, third of people almost. How many people you have who are testing their blood every 90 days? <laughs> There's like 100,000 people. Yeah. So you have 100 million people, 100,000 people, and we are kind of combining these two, two into one. So we know that there won't be 100 million people who want to buy, even if it would be way better way, to do, maybe 10 times better way to do it. It's just too involving thing for most people. So what we now need to do as a company is to look at it, what can we be build beyond the first vitriol in order to get to 100,000 to million members. So I use this analog always uh, idea that you have a racing car. You know, you 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 first build like the most amazing, safe, amazing racing car thing, and it becomes like a like a box that the, the drag is like insanely bad, and you put everything in there. And then, you know, to win the race, you have to start taking pieces away. There's I think the what is the the. Ferrari, Ford, Ferrari whatever, the, the movie was about that a bit. Like, let's take away everything, because then you take the drag away. So I think we, Elo is, in the next maybe couple of years, we're going to end up in a space where we need to kind of um, maybe do like Elo Ultra and Elo Plus and then Elo Basic. And the basic will be for most people. Today, we are more in the, in the direction of you know, Elo Plus or Elo Ultra. That is pretty difficult thing to do. But that's the right thing to do in the beginning of a company. Because you know it will be a long run, and of course, as long as you can raise money, you can, you know, grow every day. You can be fine. Um, because it's tough. You need you need to have the idea. What is the promised land? And in our case, the promised land is to help make food into medicine. That's a lot. We are not even near that. We are not even knocking the door of that. Yet. So maybe five to six years from now, we're gonna get there. Uh, But I need to remember that every day as a founder, as a CEO, and remind my team about it every day, that we are working for a bigger goal. And sometimes the the winding path that goes there is really long and, and takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not that I don't want to put words in your mouth. But it, you know, what was kind of like coming up for me as you were saying all of that is, it seems like you guys are much more focused on almost like, uh, you know, company potential fit, meaning you see this massive, massive, massive opportunity, you're extremely focused on what are the capabilities that are going to get us there? And how can we, you know, build these faster and faster and faster, less, you know, and it, it feels like almost, I guess, in your guys's case, this idea of a product market fit framework kind of goes out the window, because it's, you're, it's very different. And it's multi Decided, and it's a very challenging game, but a lot of it, it sounds like, is building up this potential internally around technology, around the right people, around the right approach, which is something I want to go into in a little bit. And then obviously, kind of trusting that if you're doing that well enough, and you're also iterating on marketing, you're iterating on all the other things you're doing, you'll be just fine and you'll you'll get there. But you guys are, you know, this is not a sprint; this is a marathon. <laughs> you guys are, you know, just a little bit into it, so it's a different framework.
1: Yeah, And I, th- I think on that note, you know, one thing that people need to always keep in mind. Again, I talked about this, that you know, you can't really, you can't fabricate time or you can't fabricate the right timing for your company. It is either it is or it is not, or you need to change yourself to be right for the time. So the other way to think about this is that you can't, there's no way to change the, the fundamental fact of who are adopting new things first. There have been a lot of companies in healthcare, a ton of companies that look really good. Some of them went public, but they were building these tools that are technological tools for people to use healthcare better, but they were not built for the early adopters, but they were built for people who work for Walmart or Caterpillar, not naming company names here. They're they, they health companies. They know who they are. And I have been involved there. But the fact was that you know every company who built a product that was too sophisticated for the late adopters, before the early adopters had adopted it, it never worked. There's no way you can build something new like what Elo is doing. I think about, I'm taking your blood and turning it into uh, nutrition. Sounds pretty biblical or Star Trek, depending where you come from, but not very normal thing. Most people even don't believe this could be possible. So I can't expect, you know, the people who are the, the obese people suffering from chronic conditions today and struggling mightily, they will not be the first people who adopt it, no matter what I want to do. So I need to put the price point down much lower. I need to make it more available. I need to make it less technical. I need to make it simpler in order to get there. And I want to get there. But I understand that you know, there's no way, no, nothing I can do today to get the people in the most need to adopt the things we built today. So what we're going to do now, you have to accept the fact and be fine with it that you know I am basically bringing the gap of the have-nots and the haves bigger and wider by doing these things. I'm going to make some people healthier. They already helped me. I make them healthier and even longer living longer. And then the, the rest of the people are suffering mightily. So you have to accept that fact. But you know, in the long term, I hope the things we built will start to work also for the people who are in the real need. Mm-hmm. There's a big masses.
0: No, it's such a great point. I mean, you know, it uh, it's building a company isn't shoots and ladders. You don't get to just suddenly take a shortcut and go all the way to this final point to your, you know, I mean, to your point, it's, I think it's very well said. You have to, I guess, one, know where you are, focus on success at that current stage. And then if you get that, you get to earn the right to go focus on, okay, now what does it take to bridge that next gap? But there is no shortcutting it. And I mean, it is very powerful because to your point, you know, yes, you, you know what you generally need to know, need to do, you know, the direction you need to head in, but you also can't fixate on that. You need to come back to where you are now and just kind of execute best at this moment in time. Um,
1: really, really well put, actually. I really like what you said, that that gatekeeping point is such a key, key one. And that should be also thought about when you define the goals and milestones with your investors. Like what is the, the B or the C or the D round looking? It could be like, uh, are we passing this gatekeep or the gate that we can actually expand now beyond what we are? Because people love expanding too early.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, literally the default. <laughs> I think 98% of companies and people just, you know, that's our preference. That's that's where our brains want to go. And, and to your point, too, like I have an, an enormous amount of respect for founders and teams that can be disciplined around what those metrics are in gatekeeping, because it's also very challenging to like gatekeep yourself and, and gatekeep the team because it has to happen at every single level. You know, the CEO also has to do that. The whole team has to do it. I want to ask one question around um, kind of monetization. You know, you guys have a membership model and and obviously just looking at the products, um, it, it just meaning there's a recurring price. You know, I'm basically agreeing to become a member and then it's a price per month. And I guess two two points on that I wanted to get your feedback on. One is it feels like it, you know, uh, putting on my my like finance hat it feels like a de-risk this business. You you start to have stickier revenue. You know, people aren't just buying a product once, but they're they're kind of becoming a, a member. But then on the other side, um, it just makes sense, especially for smart supplements. Like clearly, it would make sense as a monthly membership model for smart protein. I'm like, okay, this is interesting because it is customized. So I guess just talk a little bit about was that a philosophical decision? How did you guys think about that? Why do you think that's the right way to kind of monetize the products that you have today?
1: Yeah, I think talk- there. Two things here, um, one is um, implementation and the complexity, um, because we have a very complicated product in many ways, we, we want to simplify it. So the, the one fixed price made a lot of sense in the beginning. Um, but I think, you know, we already have enough people that we know that, you know, some people want to more a la carte, they want to modify the plan. So I think there will be multiple different options coming out from ELO uh, for supplements, and I think also for protein. In the In the coming months already, because that's what what people want sure. and and some people they realize that you know they maybe want to pay less and get less often testing, maybe they want to make the testing to be more a la carte. so we learned a lot in the last year and a half, and um, I don't think I have a have a really good answer like what is the right model yet for the protein? I think it just makes sense in a way that there are a lot of people who um, have a protein habit and uh, we make the habit maybe a bit more. Uh, formalized and a bit more, you know, thoughtful because we can help you the dose, right time, and you know the amount. We can make the the sizing of the of the product, you know, custom to you. So we can actually probably provide you the right cadence. And today we don't really have the uh, the sizing and the dosing is not really as flexible as it will be. So some people are now unhappy because they want to have like two two packs a month, whatever they they do protein a lot. So we need we need to learn on those. And I think. There's this idea that, you know, subscription is a really good way of making business happen because of, you know, if you can find a, re- you know, it's like a disaster business, you know, it works because, you know, companies buy stuff and they never, never, you know, forget, they forget to cancel. There's only some people who use it and then they don't want to cancel. So, you know, be sticking forever. I, I don't think that's the idea. We don't want to cheat people to get into this sort of forget it and go, uh, but it's just a convenient factor because if you, if you have to order every month, you, you just often don't do it. And then you end up buying though, like a massive bulk amount and then you might uh, separate the quality. So I think there are a lot of other products that are coming from LO in the future that might be more a la carte. Um, like uh, we are talking about, for example, maybe meals or stuff like that, not to not to promise anything, <laughs> but uh, that could be a very different product where you, know, you could actually go buy as you go. Because the problem is that you commit to many of these. Like we all have been there. Like I think Blue Apron is a great example. Um, tough to cancel I think, you know, Groupon was a great example back in this, maybe some people remember Groupon, small company they made it almost impossible to cancel even like the email newsletter so I, I don't think that's the right for the current environment I think we want to be we we want to be treated as adult co- consumers not tricked consumers so we are, and in Elo app we are making it every day easier to click one button to pause and, you know Move forward and all these things. don't hide them, make it easy for people to cancel, and we want to celebrate people who cancel like we have those are kind of some ideas we have in the company internally,
0: yeah, I think it's super interesting it it also i mean your note on. It felt maybe to paraphrase, it feels like maybe the right starting point because it was simple enough, simplifies the experience, simplifies the decision. But to your point, it's too simplistic. And now people want a little bit more choice. I'll be excited to see what you guys do with it because I, you know, have multiple products that I am a subscriber to. And what always inevitably happens kind of goes back to your point before around food, you know, portion sizes is, you know, they kind of treat it like, okay, well, every single day forever, you never go on vacation and forget this you know, until you end up with the backlog. And then when you have to pause, it ends up in this spammy experience where you're like, oh God, I, I'm not, you know, t- this isn't anything deceptive. I just literally have too much. So I'll be excited to see what you do with it because it feels like your lens to product experience. I'm guessing you guys will come up with a vastly <laughs> better experience of what it's like to, you know, dial up and dial down your subscription. I promise
1: I, we're going to spend a lot of time thinking about the way we do it when we yeah. do it. If we do it. Yeah. Because that's, I think, almost the most important thing. How do we, can we reinvent the way you do these things? and like, again, we are not coming from the point of view that we, let's make a quick buck on you. We are coming from the point of view, can we help you improve your health in the long term? If that's the goal, it's a very different goal than, you know, I want to sell you, uh, get my cack away by selling you four orders.
0: Sure. I I want to spend the rest of the time talking about kind of what you said there, which is, you know, if we decide to do this, that we're going to pour a bunch of time and energy and effort and try to reinvent it, you know, and really just figure out, like, what is the ideal way to do this and goes back to thinking independently You know, and the reason I want to talk about this is your products aren't just, uh, you know, the way they're marketed is beautiful, but the design and the product experience is incredible. And, And I know that that was a very intentional decision from day one. And so I want to spend a bit of time talking about that process, but maybe just to kind of go back and, you know, build a little bit of a foundation why did you decide to focus on design from day one? And, you know, just maybe talk a little bit about, because from my perspective, you know, I have a design background. There are very few companies that I think have a, a high enough bar or, or, or a sufficiently high bar, just a high bar on design. You guys certainly do. Why, why was that so important from day one? And how did you approach kind of executing that and making it real, knowing that you could do that?
1: Well, design has been, um, you know, I've been, um, I've been involved in building mobile apps for uh, for good part of 20 years. And I think mobile apps are design masterpieces. It's about crafting this experience in a small space that is somehow intuitive and beautiful. And uh, not always the case on every app. But um, you, you learn a lot. And and you know I'm from from Finland. My my both co-founders are from Finland as well. And you know Finland has this minimalistic design aesthetics that you know has been impacting the world in the last, uh, you know, 25, you know, 100 years, but in the last 25 years, you know, it became a global phenomenon, you know, and it kind of started from by the Nordic uh, minimalist design ethos from 50s. And and that's kind of also my hobby. Personally, I, I really like that. We're living in a mid century modern house here in San Francisco, uh, which is beautiful. But really, I think for ELO, I mean, I wanted to supercharge that. So I started with my, my long-time, you know, friend and co-founder tapio and we were talking like what do we do we we want to have more because we're going to be a consumer company we want to be separate from the we want to be better than the others we want to be on the different plane like what do we do and you know neither of us is like an amazing designer i mean we, we are hobbyist best so we were very lucky to get the third co-founder to sign up and um and he came from apple and um so Mikko mm-hmm. silvanto uh, spent almost a decade in the Apple design team. Uh, so he was reporting with Sony Ive, and he was behind many of the products that you know we all use every day and love the most. I mean, sold you know billions of devices, um, and um, and he came in to to be that voice. And you know, we really had this dialogue early on when we concepted that we were like, what if Apple would build a supplement product, or what if Apple would build a nutrition product? Well, we have the Apple guy who built the product, so now we are doing it. And um, it was uh, one of the best times in my life in business ever when we started because, you know, working with somebody like that, like Miklo, who comes from that design team, the best team in the world ever assembled in business, I think. And, um, and he comes with that um, uh, ruthless uh, ability to say no. And I learned a, a huge amount about business and about building a product in a way i don't know if it's the way that apple built but you know we kind of took some of those ideas that they have and started to build this product in the same way and it's been uh it's been pretty cool i mean it takes a bit more time yeah and of course we, we don't have we have finite amount of money than time and <laughs> the startup so you can't exactly follow the path but we, it made us a lot better and um and i think that's really like what we are now the third product coming out in q2 i think we i can't talk about it yet it's uh, on a wrapper yet, but you know, that will be a product that I think will be significantly different than anything else that you know, people have seen. People have done powders and people have done you know, pills, but you know, I think we're going to leapfrog into a new world where people are going to be like, wow, that's something crazy. And, uh, exactly and I, I love that. I mean, it's so cool to kind of build something new that you know, people don't even fathom today. Nobody is even thinking about it.
0: Well, and there aren't enough companies that I think adopt that as a goal. <laughs> I, I would love to see a world where, you know, 10 times the number of companies just had that as a, you know, in their minds that they were really trying to think from first principles, create something that can kind of be a gift and something new to the world and to their customers. And it just, you know, it, it's unfortunately lacking. I want to ask one more question, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. But, you know, in my experience, great design kind of is, is two things really at the end of the day, it's a set of principles, you talked about this kind of ruthless ability to say, they know. I imagine that's one of them. And it's also, but it's also a process. You talked a little bit about it taking longer. I think unsurprisingly, you know, great stuff takes a little bit longer. But, I, but you know, both of these, they aren't mystical things. They're relatively straightforward, but they're a set of things that you learn by working on a team at Apple and that you can then take and, and apply different places. So I guess, are there any other either principles or process notes that might be helpful for people listening that could just be inspiration for them in terms of their process and how they approach?
1: I, I think the craft craft respect the craft is one key thing that you know and making the design to be not just an afterthought but the core uh, tenant of the whole operation and and really i mean not i mean yes apple is kind of unique in a way that they built all the products without really doing user testing and so forth um but you know they're the best people in the world like there's no other team like that in the world like every every company would you know those guys, by the way, they get like thousands of sub offers when they leave, <laughs> like thousands. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty flattering. Uh, so to be able to work with somebody like that is is pretty, pretty unique thing. Um, but I think, you know, it's about this sort of the craft and, you know, but listening to the co- consumer, listening to the customer. And, you know, it could be internal, but, you know, like really be open uh, to modify based on what you learn. And then I think um, in, in our case, we are still in the beginning, like we're building the team right now. We are right now trying to hire, for example, uh, two designers, a, a UX lead, and a and a designer for for our app. So we are trying to like we have like who are the best people in the world we can get in to build and craft the app. We can give them a year time to do it. Again, take a year and do it, and go and do build an amazing thing. Of course, at the same time, maybe you know improve and test the ideas in the in the old app. But that's kind of what you have to do. You have to break the mold. It's so tough to build a mobile app, especially, or web experience, where you, you you always add on top of the old stuff. You kind of have to burn the old thing and build the new thing. That's the only way. Like, how many times you open an app that, like now with the COVID, maybe you didn't travel, or maybe you didn't use some of the apps that you used to use, always, like Uber. Maybe you didn't use the Uber app at all because you didn't use Uber. And then you open it, and they have redesigned it, and it's no better. It looks different it maybe functions a bit different, but it's not really a better app. Sure. And that is frustrating to me. You know, somebody spent like a 50 people team spent two years building this and now it's totally different, but it really is not better for me. Like, how can we get to a level that every time you have a major or upgrade, you actually open it and you're like, this is better for most people. I mean, it's tough because, you know, of course you have, you are serving, you know, they might not be serving my need uh, at Uber. I don't know, but you know, because I've been a user since the very beginning. So maybe they are serving somebody else. But it felt like it's not a better app. I mean, it sucked. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. It applies to almost every app, I feel like, that I you know open on a regular basis. And, and just what a simple note too, what a simple principle to be like, when you have a new update, you need to be able to have some aspects of wow, or that's better, or something that's tangibly better that moves the needle, where it doesn't feel like you're moving deck chairs around You know, for the sake of it. Um, we covered a ton of topics today. I just wanna give you a chance. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you just wanna quickly speak about, or anything that you maybe just wanna close with after talking for you know an hour and a half about what you've been building at LO. <laughs> well,
1: well, I think there's the one thing that I, I I always love to bring up if if I have the time, um, you know, having been in um, in in the gaming for quite a while, and and you know, gaming was the most sexy, exciting. Well, still today, I mean, there are every time you have an opening in like component Supercell, thousands of people apply, like thousands of people every every post. So there's a lot of demand on you know. Getting to build, you know, games and apps and all this fun stuff. But we have we have too few people who are younger people who are getting into building something fundamentally important, like healthcare things and uh, and you know the nutrition things we build today. That's maybe more esoteric. But healthcare, there are many 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 companies that are just amazing, and and they need young talent that are able to go in and really build the best work there. So don't always think about going to you know work on the on the only the thing that you, you like at that moment, but look around a bit and think about where can you make a bigger impact. Because it's tough to be if you go to Apple like it's tough to be like a, a lot better than other people because they are they have really, really good people. But if you go to a healthcare company building consumer healthcare apps for example, you can maybe be the best person there and you can become the leader of that team fairly quickly and and that to me is the thing that people people just they wake up when they are 35 and they have two kids they haven't slept for a long time they wake up and they're like oh my god life has a different meaning <laughs> and and we are mortal and i want to build on build stuff that you know really make a difference that hit me early on because you know we had health issues with my my wife uh normally people only hit, got that idea when they turn 40 or 35 or something like that and then it's maybe too late to change the the path you're already so deeply entwined with whatever you do for a living. Uh, but that's just the thing that, you know, when, when you look for next gig, and now it's a great time because we have a, a lot of people are thinking what they want to do now, post-COVID, maybe a recession, whatever happening. Uh, so look around and, and, and look at the companies that you might not be looking at in the first place.
0: Well, it's a fantastic note, you know. And just to close and maybe turn it around, that's also why I was so excited to have you on because I think you're in an area, and this is, you know, one of the things that I get most excited about, which might seem somewhat silly to a lot of people listening, but people that are in an area that might not be sexy, but are approaching it with a goal of really not only just like let's all come here to do our best work, but let's come here and ships, like let's create something that we're incredibly proud of. And so it's amazing to see you doing that with Lo. Um, it's been so much fun to have you on and be able to talk. Thank you so much for the time, Ari. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you.